Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. This is Pitch Tech Asia. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Stuart Kerr from Rock Human Devices. Stuart, welcome. Hi. Good to have How's you here. Going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, good to be here too. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, you are bringing one of the first show and tells to Pitch Deck Asia. Yeah, right. Device. So we're going to talk about that. Sure. Um, maybe just a quick flash of it. Give give the audience a glimpse of what we're going to look at. There we go. Yeah, there you go. And we're going to dive into that. The world of medical devices. Yeah. And we'll look into what exactly that is in the market we're in, the problem that you're solving. Mm-hmm. A um, little bit of background first before we dive in, Stuart. You, well, we're here in Singapore. You live here in Singapore, but originally yeah. from... Uh, originally from Scotland, yeah, uh, in Glasgow. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> You've had yeah, a bit of a journey, isn't it? You didn't just go from Scotland to Singapore. No, I went to Japan first. Um, I went there to study in the fourth year of my five-year uni course. Right. Um, I was doing electronic and electrical engineering, and I went to a robotics lab to do some cool thing where they get robots that fire like a you know like a launch mechanism that grabs onto trees and the robot swings over a, a valley or something like that sounds I mean, awesome. it didn't it didn't work out that well <laughs> it was a good we idea. managed to get it to crawl across like the lab floor and then and then the project was pretty much done <laughs> wow um and then um i worked in japan for about a year to a year and a half roughly um and then i got fed up with the working culture so i just moved to singapore yeah and i joined a startup there um and that was great. It was a 3D printing startup mm. um, called Pirate 3D. And then it, that didn't do so well towards the end. It basically crashed. Um, so after that, I joined Dyson for two years and worked on the the Dyson Supersonic for a little bit. Which is the... Uh, which is the hairdryer. Yeah. yeah. The, the blade. Yeah, the hairdryer with the whole... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looks like magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the purifier fan. So I worked on those. At the point where the, the design is mostly complete, but you've just got to work out how to get it to making like to go from making just five of these machines to mm. making like five hundred thousand or like five million of them. So like how do you scale up? Um so that's the kind of thing that I worked on. Yeah, that's great uh, education yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're working yeah. with Dyson, I mean he's a great inventor, yeah. but he's also yeah. a good executor. He he's not yes, the executor. He's surrounded by great executors, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. He teaches some you a bit about serious... how to build a business, right? Yeah, exactly. And um and like how to go from those like one or two working prototypes to something that you know you can actually mass produce. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. really cool. And then after that, I kind of got like I didn't like the larger company thing because like Dyson's about six or seven thousand people now. It was growing quite a lot, and I just I don't know. I felt you know like a tiny grain of sand on a beach type of thing. You just felt like quite mm. small. You know, it's just it's just like inevitable about um, you know part of being being in a large company. Mm. Um, just kind of fell out of, of love with that and just uh, decided I wanted to start my own company, and that's basically what I've been doing ever since. So, did you yeah. decide to start your own company before you had the idea for? the devices we're going to talk about today, which sort of came first is like, there's a need for this. I need to make this or what can I go out and make? Where did it come in sort of the odyssey of Stuart Kerr? This thing was just a hobby in my, in my spare time. And then I got somebody to try it out. Mm. Um, and it really worked for them. Um, really, really well. They said it's the best thing that they've ever tried and they've been to audiology consultations and everything. And then I thought at that point I had to like, just like, like it, uh, I mean, I think it was like a week later, I just handed him a notice. <laughs> wow. I thought, well, I mean, I've saved up enough money. And so like, I'll quit. I'll try it. I'll put my full time into it. Try to find investors quickly, like, yeah. like you know, as quickly as physically possible. Um, and uh, we did. Yeah. Um, 
Well, we'll talk about your journey as well with Rock Human Devices, where you are. Because yeah. you're a funded company. Yes. You've got some interesting backers as well. We'll talk about that as well. Yeah. So sure. um, you're putting the team together. Yeah. I mean, you have been in development for quite a long time because of the nature of the product that you're developing. So let's talk about that now. Let's sure. put that on the table. Maybe you can, can show us the product first. Yeah. So tell us what it is. You've got two right, here. Okay. So, so camera's here. So maybe just be you know wary yeah. of... Uh, just trying to get that in the shot there so people can see. If you're listening at home, maybe we can sort of talk through what it is as yeah, well. No, yeah, 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 that's so fine. So what have we got there in your, your right hand? Right, okay, so what it is is basically a pair of glasses. Um, mm. That is. So this is one of like two or three different styles that we're basically testing with right now. What it does is if you have a particular type of hearing loss, this can make you hear, whereas before you would have had to require uh, like medical surgery in order to, like, to make right. yourself hear. So... Basically, um, uh, about four to five percent of people in the world have hearing loss, and about twenty to twenty-five percent of those people have something called conductive hearing loss. Mm. Um, the best way to explain it is that everything inside your ear is working, but it's as if there's a blockage for the sound to get to the ear. So, you may have no eardrum, you may have um, uh, no hole in the side of your ear. You know. Like, like uh, one of our child users, he's got basically, I mean, if you look at his ear very closely, you'll notice he's got no ear canal. It's just like closed shut. Right. So no hearing aid is going to work. Cause like, Are they you're born just... like that? Or is that yeah, something uh, that uh, yeah. 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 Just a random birth defect. Mm. Um, the bones th uh, and uh, another child user, she's got um, uh, like the structure of the bones in her skull have basically closed shut her ear canal. So she needs, so she would have to get like, like, $200,000 reconstructive surgery to get that done. She risks oh. like a very severe brain infection, meningitis, like she, like all these, all these risks are on the table just to make her hear again. Mm. Um, so the only way that these people can hear is if you can not use a traditional hearing aid like you normally see, but yeah. if you can vibrate the skull bone behind the ear, right? Because if you can tap this or vibrate it uh, with sound waves, what happens is the sound waves can travel past the blockage and yeah. reach the ear that's working perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, uh, what's usually offered to these people is something called a bone anchor hearing aid, where they actually drill a hole into your skull, screw a little screw into it, and then they get this little matchbox sized box that basically clips onto that screw that permanently sticks out from your skull. Um, that sounds terrible. Yeah, like you can go and Google it. It's called a bone anchor hearing aid, and it's pretty, pretty horrible. Um, I mean, it seems in this day and age that seems pretty brutal. I know from yeah. a different era. Yeah. Um, so uh, the reason why that's such a popular option is, well, I mean, it's, sorry, it's not a popular option. Uh, the sales conversion rate is something like one in one in two thousand to one in five thousand people that qualify for it and go to try to get it done. That's about the percentage of people that actually end up right. um, going for it. Yeah. And it's about twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars for the procedure and the devices and all that. It's so people would rather be deaf than have yes. that stuck yeah. on their head. Especially because that type of hearing loss, ninety-five percent of cases, it's actually only on one side. So you oh, can technically right. get through life, but it's pretty hard. Um, yeah, yeah, like you suffer not being aware of your environment and. Right, right. Um, so what we've developed is something that is works. Uh, it works equally as well. Mm. And it is super, super stylish. And actually, we've solved some of the major uh, engineering issues. Uh, I can't talk about the solutions just now because we're actually filing the patents by the end of this month. Right, right. Um, but but it's pretty damn cool. Well, well, um, let's I've got, start by... If, can you hand them over? Can I have a look yeah, here? Yeah, sure. So, so this is just a, like a mechanical mock-up. So, yeah. so, so we just purchased an industrial 3D printer. So we've been like iterating the design like crazy right. in the last week and a half. Yeah, because um, I remember when you, you, you showed me when... 
like some months ago a different version of it. Yeah, so that's the this, yeah, so that's the here? last uh, version of the prototype that was working. Wait, um, which one? This one here. I'm yeah. holding up now. So what we have here, if I can just describe to those, if you're just listening to the podcast, it looks like a stylish pair of glasses, as you say. Um, at the end, you've got where the foot of the glass is. What's that leg? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So the legs are the temples of the glasses. So the right. part, so the part of the glasses that kind of bends around behind the ear. Yeah, right. Which would normally just sort of clip back in. You've got like a, a, a tiny box here. Yeah, and that sits on the bone. Yeah. So the surface that you can see there that actually presses against the skull with a with a calculated amount of pressure. Right. Right. So, and then basically, um, if you're deaf on the right side, then we'll basically. Um, have the sound coming in on the right microphone. Yeah. And our digital signal processing algorithms will like sweeten this, all the sound up and then it will retransmit it through the skull bone. Yeah. And there's no surgery, there's no anything at all. You literally, like, like part of the demo is here, try this and they put it on and it turns so itself on and they can the just sound? Hear. So the, the sound which is actually out there has to be converted in a way through an algorithm to pass through the skull? In a way, yeah, because there's certain problems that. Uh, that are associated with hearing aids. You've right. got things like wind noise. Yeah. You've got things like um, if you're wearing a hearing aid that amplifies the sound of everything. Yeah. It also naturally makes your own voice sound way louder to you. Right, like a duplex effect. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. okay. So it's like you can hear yourself talking like two or three times as loud as before, and it can be quite it can be quite distressing. Um. So with part of our really really cool tech that we're going to be launching, uh, when when we launch is going to basically solve those problems. All right. So it's like um, in studio terms, we call that a mix minus. Ah, okay. Right. There you go. It's like <laughs> ah, when you, yeah, so yeah, yeah. If uh, you feed something back into the mixer, yeah. you actually take out the, the original. Yeah, if you invert the wave. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Yeah. So Interesting. It's yeah. So, so all that sits yeah, in so this little box here. Uh, so just the part that vibrates the skull is basically uh, in that little box. Okay. And then... Uh, in, the, in the next prototype yeah. that you have in your hand, um, about one third of the space taken up in one side will be just the electronics, so everything like right. the, like the battery charger, the the, like the digital signal processor, everything. There's going to be some like severely advanced tech. This is a lot. It's going to go into this. One. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, that's the that's one of the other styles that we're going to be testing as well. Yeah, um, we're testing different sizes as well, just to make sure. Yeah, right. and so we've now got hinges. We've now got directional microphones. We've now just got and. It, we're iterating the design again, so like by tomorrow morning, I'll have new parts again. So without going into too much, like you know, secret data about what exists inside of this, mm -hmm. just in describing what is inside of it. So you've yeah. got a vibrating mechanism inside, yeah. The the little the the bit that curls around the back of the skull, yeah. which would have been in the box in the old days. That horrible thing that people drilled into their head. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. That repl that replaces that effectively. Yeah, exactly. And, so by oh, having glasses, you can actually um, apply enough pressure. Right. Yeah. That. Um, so that all you need to do is put the glasses on, and then the thing that vibrates the skull just presses at just the right um, force. Yeah. To allow the sound to like very efficiently it be transferred into the skull. Yeah. Um, the solution to that before was drilling it into the skull. That's like 100% efficiency almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is quite a different take. So. Right, but there's no surgery? None. Like no, the demo is try it on and within two seconds you can hear. Wow. So go back to that moment when a week before you were leaving and you had that person come to you and say, hey, look. Yeah. Um, so Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I basically, um, I, I was working on the prototype at the weekend and I literally just got the software working on it. So like uh, I was I was writing the software to get 
the <clears throat> the signal processor thing to basically just come alive and basically work and take the sound of the microphones and put it out to the like to the bone conduction transducers and I just got it all to work. I was like, oh, finally. And I mean, I've been working on it for like two weeks straight because I'm not a software guy really. Right. But I just managed to get it working and then uh, like within half an hour I got a, a message from my flatmate. He was saying, look, my friend who is, uh, uh, who is, so my flatmate was a, was a head chef. He was bringing a friend from America to work as a chef in his kitchen. Mm. And then, uh, my my flatmate asked me he just to let you know that somebody's going to be coming to the house can you like help him and give him a key and like and like show him the bedroom and everything i was like oh, okay cool so maybe half an hour later he comes from the airport this guy and he walks in and then it, I, my entire table is almost like an electronic lab yeah <laughs> like right in the middle of the of the dining area and um i've got oscilloscopes and wires and power supplies and just stuff everywhere right <laughs> and uh he uh, after he kind of unpacks and he comes over and chats to me, he says, oh, okay, so what are you working on over there? And I said, well, I'm working on a hearing aid. You know, like, I don't really know if it's going to work or whatever, uh, but I just got it working in the, like, the last hour or so. And I said, mm. that, oh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm deaf on my left side. And I was like, oh, that's awesome because I've only got it working on the left side so far. Like, I haven't wow. got the right side working yet. <laughs> and then um, it turns out he's the perfect candidate because he has that hearing loss that I talked about. He's got no eardrum. He was just born without one. So the sound just doesn't hit anything. It's like, just like, just like dissipates and that's it. It never reaches the mm. like the part of his ear that you know that can pick it up and take it to the brain. Um, that's a weird twist of fate. <clears throat> yeah, and then yeah, very weird. Um, Coincidence. Just yeah, just 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 like. Do you read like much into that? No, no, I don't. It's just probability. Yeah, it's just pure coincidence. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, like one percent of anybody you meet will have this. So, right. like, it's not. But you happened that. to be there whilst you were building it. Yeah, like but an hour and a half after I got it working, roughly. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't still then... turn up two hours before and say, "What are you working on?" Oh, I haven't finished it yet. Oh, okay, see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, and then he tried it and it was like that. Holy shit! I mean, like, there's a video of it on YouTube somewhere. Um, wow. Um, yeah, we put a link to that in the um, in the yeah, show notes. Sure, sure. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what he was said that after. Like? So yeah, tell us about that experience when he put it on. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to work. I was super, super nervous. I delayed it for half an hour. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be like all this effort and it's going to be for nothing. If but it you weren't work. ready. You weren't, you weren't prepared to give that to the test to somebody. No, right? no, 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 I wasn't. Um, and then he tried it. it. Yeah, 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 and even in the video, you can see like the wires are like sticking out of the frame. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and he tried it and he's like, that. oh, shit, I can hear. Like, and like he thought, like his brain interpreted hearing like that for the first time. As like after twenty nine years, just pulling an earplug out of his ear, finally, because wow. it had that sensation that you know, like his brain didn't know what to do with it, so he kept doing this thing with his jaw. He was like, ugh, you know, like almost like, you know, you know, he needs to click his ear. You know, like when yeah, you, yeah. get off the you know, plane. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so when the pressure changes on a flight, you kind of like, ah, ugh, like yeah. you know, like that. That was the sensation that he felt. Um, and we played some Bob Marley music, and like we had a couple of whiskeys, and he was just like, lo- he was just like. Uh, this is so cool like I was trying to talk to him to explain him what was going on and I was just so distracted by the fact he could hear like, uh, oh sorry man I'm not even listening to you he's like oh my god this is so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought okay this okay there's probably something here so I just yeah, I looked into it and I decided well I wanted to kind of go and do my own thing anyway this has to be it well, why do you so I just quit my job <laughs> yeah right but why do you think that was right at that right time to make that what was you know tell us a little bit about how that made you feel you know, I, when that guy, he gave you that impression, that sort of feedback of this is what it's done for me. And even though for you, it's still very raw. 
Yeah. You know, you weren't even ready to test that. What sort of impact did that have on you? Particularly as well, you know, you, you sort of mentioned that you'd been in the corporate world. You'd, you'd, you know, you'd done your, your schooling in design and engineering mm-hmm. with, you know, some great <laughs> names as well. Now you'd made something yourself. Yeah. Purely on your own. And it was a one-on-one. And there you were with somebody using it and giving you direct feedback. That's a completely different world, isn't it? Yeah. For you, how did that make you feel? I really liked it because I thought, finally, I'm doing something that I can control, right? So, I mean, I'm not a control freak, but I don't like to be so far away from the end user and so far away from the customer and yeah. so far away from the people that make the decisions. I just don't like it. Um, uh, because... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just a personality type thing, I guess. Yeah, um, well, you want to make something that's meaningful and feel like yeah. what I'm doing is making a difference. Yeah, that right? too. Yeah, because, I mean, it didn't take that long to get the first horrible prototype to just be up and running, just yeah. to just to emit some sound, right? It didn't take that long, and it already had a big effect. I'm like, oh, wow, so I've been working in like companies for years, and I'm one and I'm one member of a 12th you know, person like electronics team mm. launching a product out and nobody knows your name and I probably don't even believe in the product either. And it's like, ugh, you know, they just kind of, like I was pushed out of a company because of that and I was yeah. drawn towards this new thing because of this. So it was like I was pushed and pulled towards it kind of mm. at the same time. Mm. Um, so when you when you <coughs> decided that you were going to do this mm-hmm. and you were going to build this product yeah. and you're going to set up this company, was the idea to build this product or <coughs> were you sort of thinking... Medical devices. I'm going to go and... No. What was the idea? No, so uh, I'm not drawn to medical devices. They're a freaking nightmare to, to right. design and develop for. Um, you've got to go through certification procedures. There's, there's, there's very few, very large companies that are you know, they're competing. It's not like... Um, and you're not like an in insider co- in that world either. That's the important thing. Yeah, I'm you, not. You yeah. don't have 20 years of experience or 20 years of relationships in medicine, right? You know, you're not bringing like yeah. pharma relationships and so on. So that's not your world. Yeah, but um, I kind of get by that by having an incredibly close relationship w- uh, uh, with the trial users. Hmm. So we've got about, uh, just organically, we've basically grown from like one trial user to about 50 hmm. that are on a list just waiting to try this. Um we may we may do paid trials at some point soon. You know, you know, like quite a nominal fee, maybe two or three hundred USD, just to kind of, kind of cover the parts of yeah, the prototype. Yeah, they pay you. Yeah, um, we're 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 planning to do that probably next year, mm. um, so, so that we can also show people like look, people are willing to give some money for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like, I actually kind of forgot what your question was again. Well, <laughs> um, exactly. So um, we we come on to the point about economics. I mean, I was asking you about mm. what you your goal was, whether you you there to build this product or th- you thought oh yeah i'm going to go in and create this mega brand in medical devices and we're going to change this whole sector but it's just like i'm focused right. on this one problem right here right now um well yeah i mean it's also quite a good way to prove a point is that medical devices can be super stylish yeah right? um eyewear used to be really really like uh, like untrendy and uh, unfashionable and probably i mean and then companies maybe like ray-ban or certain styles or certain mm certain public figures and all that um you know like malcolm x definitely made um eyewear super stylish especially that kind of like 1950s look yeah um which is going to be one of our designs as well um that yeah it's like medical devices when like when you think of a hearing aid it just sucks right yeah it's like it's this skin colored piece of plastic if you drop it it breaks and then you need to buy a new one for like many many thousands of dollars if you want to change anything, usually you need to go and get it programmed unless you've got this super advanced $10,000 one that works with Bluetooth. Um, it's just, and and it just kind of sucks. Why? You know what I mean? Why are they like that? I don't know. Um, 
I don't imagine that medical device companies are like inherently stylish. Yeah. Um, I think it's solving a it's, problem, and the problem is not <clears throat> how I look, is it? The problem is like I have a functional problem in my body somewhere. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, it hasn't been up until now. So basically, um, the way I think about it is, um, like you've got to solve the like the actual problem first from like an engineering point of view, and then yeah, focus on yeah. the aesthetics later. And I think now people are like. You know, Google Glass didn't take off because it looks like something else. It doesn't yeah. look like a normal pair of glass. It doesn't look um, socially acceptable. Um, <clears throat> I think now it's it's time that this problem is solved. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. So do you, um, do you think, I mean, obviously you, you are approaching it from fundamentally an engineering problem. Yeah. And then, you know, it's it's how do you make that in a way that people could be proud of wearing yeah. these devices uh-huh. and showing them off, not sort of hiding it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, well, you know, why are you all sort of like lying like that, Stu? <laughs> like, oh, I've got a big box stuck to my head. Uh-huh. So you don't want that. And, um, you know, as well, on top of that, then I guess now you're talking about introducing more sort of fashionable lines to this as well. Yeah. So, you know, that people will feel not uncomfortable in any way having these devices, which is great. Yeah. But it doesn't become an issue. That's right. It's not an issue in their lives, like a yeah, hearing exactly. aid as well. I mean, I want to ask you, because I don't know enough about conductive hearing loss, but mm-hmm. I imagine with um, conductive hearing loss, it's different to normal, whatever you call it, hearing loss, which yeah. is that it's not necessarily an age-related thing as well. So um, know, A very, very small percentage it can be, but generally speaking, yeah, you can say it's not. It's usually a birth defect or right. injury, and I'm sure there's a doctor somewhere that's listening that's like screaming down, you know, right. you know, like his phone at me. But, um, but you could be born like that rather than... Yes. Hearing loss generally, you know, increases as you get older. Yeah. Right. So that's the more common type of... Uh, the other type, which is called uh, sensory neural hearing loss. It's with the nerve that takes the sound to the brain weakens. Or right. that whole path is like there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, so, conductive hearing loss is a bit different. So I guess as well, there's, there's a market of people who, I mean, old people with hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Is that that's the natural assumption, and you see the adverts in the yeah. newspapers as well. Know, yeah. <laughs> you know the ones I mean, where it's like it's very functional. Yeah, and, and you see, you know, like the white-haired grandmother with her grandchild, and it's, you know, we can hear each other again. It's exactly. Like... <laughs> but what, what about the kids and, you know, the teenagers? Yeah. Right? And when you see kids and teenagers with hearing aids, it's like, you know, they're very conscious of it. Yeah, right? And of you know they're they going to get teased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they are. Yeah because, yeah, because, I mean, like, when you're very young, um, there's two things that are happening. It's that you're forming your identity, right? Yeah. And um, uh, if you've got something like hearing loss, it can really affect your uh, things like, like, you know, if you feel like excluded from groups or, yeah, <clears throat> um, and also your ability to kind of get on in life, like in the classroom or just like going out and playing games or whatever. Absolutely. Um, having hearing loss literally puts a boundary around you and you, mm. and it's very difficult to communicate with any of your peers unless they also like, you know, no sign language or something. Yeah. Um, it's a big issue. So like, we're also working on child sizes for this because we've, I got an email from, um, a mother. Um, she's got a kid that's got, to like so so her daughter needs bone anchor hearing aids because it's all that's really available it's, it's all that's really covered by uh, the singapore government which is fine i mean it's awesome that they cover it right um uh she's got uh i think a birth defect where like her ears could have maybe closed shut mm. on both sides there's like a bone structure issue or something so basically she has no ear canal on either ear so the only way she can hear is with like being covered in hearing aids so she's mm. got one that's bolted into the skull on one side and the one that she can take off with this almost looks like a nineteen eighties like uh, like Walkman headphone yeah, band right, yeah. to press against uh, the other side so that she's got um, like hearing on both sides. 
Um, How old is she? And it kind of sucks. I think she's like seven or six or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, her mum kind of reached out to me and said, yeah, like when she's off, like for the school holidays, can I bring her down and maybe see what we can do? And I'm like, ah, yeah, because we're going to... Awesome. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to immediately do trial sizes like as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so, let, let's <clears> talk a little bit about that because yeah, I sure. mean, we're going to talk about the trials as well and also the economics of it all. Sure. Um, because in the context of <coughs> like medical devices, and if I can like, you know, I can... Glasses are effectively like, you know, eyeglasses are medical devices in a way. I suppose they are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, to, like they're regulated in that way. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh -huh. They're there. I mean, you have to be an optician to prescribe them, I suppose. Yeah. Lenses, at least. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh -huh. um, yet, for example, my son's 12 years old, mm -hmm. needed a pair of glasses. And for years and years, it's like, oh, I'm all right. But he's always squinting, right? Like, why does he keep squinting? No, it's not nothing. Yeah. But then, actually, you need a pair of glasses. Yeah. We took him to, um, an optician and got him a cool pair of glasses. Yeah, exactly. And he loves them. He, of course he and does. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's totally different. And you, you think, why can't it be like that? Because now he's like, you know, actually I look pretty cool with him. He's doing his hair as well now. Yeah. And they look uh -huh. really good on him. Yeah. So, you know, why doesn't, you know, when it comes to sight, mm -hmm. we've got it on that sort of level where it's it, not an it, issue. It took a long time. I mean, right. it took for them to focus on the style and, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. To, to like, well, so it was different head sizes and like reflect people's the UK, personalities and stuff. Right. Yeah, the NHS glasses. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that was it. Those. Was it? They're, oh, horrible. The the tortoiseshell glasses, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know so the, the, the National one. Health Service glasses, which uh -huh. were prescribed, right? Yeah, and that was a bad look, right? Yeah, really, really bad. <laughs> well, obviously, we're, we're in the the, the med tech space, so mm -hmm. um, we can't not avoid the issue of regulation, and yeah. um, you know. I don't know what the equivalent of the FDA or whoever they are here in Singapore. So let's talk about this mm -hmm. in the context of how does this sort of fit into, you know, regulation, licensing and so on? Yeah, so what I'm trying to do is um, uh, I'm trying to start the culture of the company to make sure that it's very two-sided, right? So we've got to have the, like, the free and liberal kind of uh, design approaches and stuff. Design uh, design area that looks super stylish, um, put as much technology as you can to solve the problems mm. in it. And then we need to have a separate side of the company that's like basically um, providing the platform for these people with uh, almost like giving them, you know, like a list of like plastic materials that are already medically certified and kind of mm. um, giving the resources to the to the design team um, so that they can um, basically work freely in like in the parameters of what. Is yeah, allowed. of what yeah. will eventually be needed when we go uh, for certification. So right. like, it's not. So what is like, needed certification-wise? What do you need? So for what we're going to do is um, we're going to get a European medical device certification. So it's a body called CE. Yeah. So I mean, you've probably seen you know, the little marks. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think you know, it's on the back of my phone and all that. Yeah. Um, CE, and it's got different levels of medical device. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so to uh, so usually there's an. Uh, we can self self declare that we can say yes, we've met all the standards. It's mm. actually a self declaration standard, but that doesn't sound right, does it? You know, no, I can say that I'm a safe medical device, right? But then, would you trust a manufacturer that just that you know just said yes, it's safe, I promise? Yeah, and then get that pacemaker put in. It's like no, it doesn't sound right, does it? And um, so, hospitals, audiologists, mm. any country that's got uh, uh, some kind of like uh, like you know like authority on what medical devices are used in a country mm. will request that you have had an uh like like uh, like a testing you know like a you know, like a reputable testing body to do all the tests for mm. you and provide the reports that then you can use as like for your self-declaration mm. so that's 
uh, one of the companies is like TUV. Like you might see it in the back of like motorbike yeah. helmets and stuff like that. Um, there's a company called TUV. It's a German company. They're all over the world. They do certification for probably every single country. Mm. Um, so we're going to basically use them. They're going to tell us what standards that we need to design our, our, our product to, whether the plastics that we use can be uh, like medically certified and all that. Mm. Um, uh, we zap it with like 16,000 volts of electricity just to see what happens to it as well. Mm. Um, there's lots and lots and lots of tests that we need to do. It needs to um, uh, meet like hearing aid test standards mm. and all that as well. Um, it's quite a boring topic, actually, but it's 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 one of the things. Well, it's that one we're... an investor wants to know is that you have you thought this through? Yeah, is we that, have. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. I mean, I'm not. You know, the point is, so, is that what exactly lies between making the prototype, making the product, and then selling it to the customer, right? So, uh, roundabout now is about the time that we really need to look quite deeply and seriously into um, uh, designing for medical device certification. So we mm. know the standards that we eventually need to comply with, so we need to start designing for that, right? Mm. So that, it includes like the software, like how does the device respond in, in certain actions or certain whatever. It's all got to be basically um certified we need to like start designing that from now we've got mm. so like we've so we're, like, we're past the working prototype stage now we're kind of looking at okay how can we certify it and how can we manufacture it mm. so how, um, how do you how will you then actually sell it to the customer how do you do it through retail through opticians through how um, it work? not retail because um uh, some hearing aid companies um, are selling these devices called uh, personal amplifiers or personal amplification devices. And because they're calling it that and not calling it a hearing aid, right. they can basically not bother certifying it as a medical device. They can just put, you know, like a CE stamp on it and then like that, right, okay, fine, just try to sell it on Amazon or whatever. Right, that's like your food um, supplement, isn't yeah. it? Rather than selling a health product, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then still putting like steroids into the supplement, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's like it basically is doing the job and some people try it, but there's... Uh, I'm I'm a bit against it from like an ethical point of view. It's okay at a prototyping phase, um, but when we launch the device, um, it really needs to be a certified medical device, and you need mm. to go and see an audiologist because there's plenty of reasons why. It's like um, you, as a person with hearing loss, are not uh, really the best person to decide what the best solution for you is. You may have a tumor growing in your ear, yeah, uh, and you better go and see an ear, nose and throat doctor before it travels to the brain rather than just going to Amazon and choosing a personal amplification device. Right. Um, so would these have to be prescribed? Yeah. Audio? Okay. Yeah. So you would have to have so, that come through, you know, the yes. medical Yes. Yeah, so our orders would channel. come through audiologists right, okay. and the payment would come from the audiologists or the insurance companies. Yeah. In Singapore? Um, or is that, is that going to uh, be in most markets like that? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's pretty much most markets. Yeah. Um, so the idea is, yeah, 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 so that kind of brings me on to the next thing, which is like, we're going to be manufacturing this thing quite differently. Um, we're looking, very, very strongly looking at the possibility of doing additive manufacturing. Which right? is what? Which is not not spending millions of dollars on injection molds, but spending a couple of hundred thousand dollars on a, a range, uh, like a cluster of uh, industrial 3D printers. Mm. We can then, um, so let's say if a customer's order comes in, uh, they've chosen the the panto style of a particular size and all that yeah and uh we've got their and we've got the lens prescription what we can do is uh, we're aiming for to design a production line and we're kind of doing that right now mm. where we can basically think okay go so then we print the part within a couple of hours the part's ready we tumble the part in a huge drum 
that basically has uh, you know like pellets and sort of uh, like like sanding material to basically create this super polished wow. smooth plastic. Yeah. So it comes out the printer a bit rough, and then the end result is a super super smooth and super strong part. Mm. And then we assemble the part and ship to the customer or ship to the audiologist within about twenty two uh, twenty four to forty eight hours. Mm. Um, most people wait a very very long time for their hearing aid. So um, if we can basically remove as much work for the audiologist to do like we'll program it for you as well like before we you know like like, uh, like before it ships mm. um that's the idea is that you can be like an audiologist can be like pretty much hands off like just just like get the hearing loss report make sure that this device is what they're suitable for and then we can do the rest we can send it to the customer we can handle the warranty you don't need to go through the audiologist and if you want to reprogram the device for the customer you can do it over the cloud mm. so if, if it's connected to their phone that basically the audiologist can like update your hearing loss report and then the person's hearing just gets better. You know what I mean? Um, so so it's, it's quite it's quite different because usually yeah. hearing aids are, uh, are mass produced uh, to get injection molds done that are meet medical standards. It's so freaking expensive because we just got it all quoted and it's like, oh, this is just a nightmare. Right, but um, additive would work. Added, yeah. So okay. the the thing is the choice of the plastic material, uh, the choice of the plastic material and what we use in the process, like to process the part to like, like polish it up. So yeah. all that would have to meet the standards as well. But that's but that's the the conversations that we're starting to have from next week. So we're basically planning all this. Mm. Um, okay. It's like a it's like a dream production line. It is. It yeah. is. But it, it's not unrealistic. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's totally doable. doable and you, yeah. I mean, and, let's and not it's, forget. And that... it's scalable. It doesn't need a lot of upfront investment. Yeah. Um, it's the perfect for a startup to kind of like get into manufacturing and get some money into the bank. Yeah. You don't need to put ourselves in debt or get like $10 million of investment just to put a product on a shelf. And if we want to introduce, um, and for every new style that we would have to make, if we did it injection molding, you have to pay for to get an entire new injection mold made. Yeah. You're talking about 100000 to $250,000 for one mold, right? And if we want to save money on the mold, we basically have to waste plastic because we have like all the sizes of that, of that style. Yeah being produced in that same mold but then we throw away the plastic that we don't use so it's like hugely wasteful yeah it's very very wasteful very power intensive yeah um whereas we can introduce a new design digitally it's like okay now we've got you know like a nomad style it's available right now yeah and if customer and then if the customer requests that style it's just printed and within two hours we've got the part we don't need to yeah and it's no extra investment we're not spending any more money to give more styles yeah it's just yeah that's kind of the way that it should be. I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, well, like, well, it's the model that fits what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I think for those that are listening or watching, that let's put this into context because I know I know it's disruptive, you mm-hmm. know, and you are really focused. You know, you're you're. It's an engineering approach, but you're really focused on the end customer in terms of what they yeah. want and the experience. Uh, yeah, and what makes them happy, and yeah. you know what is good for everybody, which is great. But let's put this into context as well. I mean, you know, and we haven't really talked a lot in depth about this. Your background, you know, mm-hmm. the reason why who could pull it off? I mean, we we'll talk a little bit about the team, which is, you know, for for the large part has been you. And we're talking obviously now. There's two of you. We we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, your background, obviously, you've worked for Dyson. Um, you talked about some of the you know projects that you've been involved in mm-hmm. in Japan, for example. Um, you also worked for the Japanese equivalent, or that was the same project of the the CERN project in 
Europe, the Hadron Collider, <laughs> right? So you, yeah. you, you not haven't you haven't just sort of gone in and, and like messed around with like little things in labs. You built big things as well. So yeah, very complicated, many moving parts. Yeah, large, you know, firing beams around. Cor- I don't know what exactly goes on. Yeah, there. yeah, um, yeah. Basically, is that although what I worked on was the power supplies that basically so they were used in those projects. I think it was like one of the 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 machines that we all designed was uh, is now being used in CERN. And another one has been used in Super KKB, right? That's which the is, the, which is the Japanese. It's like a linear accelerator, so it doesn't go around in a circle; it just goes like straight. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So basically, for the for the one in CERN, we basically designed the the power supplies that power the electromagnets that's, that that steer the beam into into a circle. Yeah. Because if you didn't have these steering magnets, the beam would just go straight and it would crash into the wall of the collider. Right. So we designed the power supplies, like super stable um, supplies that basically um, kept this beam in the center of the tube as it as the beams went round in a circle. Um, I yeah, love that's listening kind of the best to it. Way to... Yeah, I love listening <laughs> to it because it's like, yeah, okay, I feel like I just can sit and listen to this because it's just fascinating. It's like, <laughs> and, but I guess the point we want to get across is like, you know, you've worked on seriously complicated projects. So mm-hmm. when you talk about, for example, like additive manufacturing lines and yeah. the process it's not like you're talking about something way out of your scope no it's no it's not it's, it's very very doable right um, exactly so yeah. and, and you understand what's capable as well if you can yeah. fire beams around corners you know i'm yeah, sure well, i mean it doesn't qualify me to manufacture medical devices no, no, no. Though, but <laughs> it's an, as an engineering but, problem yeah. yeah yeah so you know you weren't sort of manufacturing like small matchbox toys and then said right, i can go and do this now it's like you know you've dealt with large projects and i guess the point is is that these are complicated projects as well yeah with many moving parts you've got that going for you um you have investors mm-hmm Right. Yeah. So we've just closed our second funding round. Um, we had a first funding round for it was about uh, I think the total was actually one hundred and five thousand Singapore dollars, mm. and we just closed another one three and a half months ago. I think the money arrived in the middle of August or something. Um, that was four hundred and twenty thousand Sing dollars. Right. So it's about over half a million that you've six hundred that you've done. Yeah. Or, in total. Yeah. 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 About five hundred and yeah. Right. And, and the. Can you talk a little bit about who your investors are? I mean, without giving too much away, but... Uh, yeah, so I won't name them because I don't know if I've actually got the permission yet. Um, the first investors... Um, but in terms of their backgrounds, I think that's important, you know... Yeah, uh, very, very mixed. So my first investors, um, uh, one... Uh, so the of my first investors, they're all from Stuttgart, right? Mm. And uh, one uh, one basically is a managing director of a company that, that, set, that sets up... Um, uh, call centers in India and the Philippines and uh, other other countries. So he does a he is the MD of a of a uh, of a German company that does that. Mm. Um, another one is one that designs like websites and apps, and he now is the co-owner of like Stuttgart's best bar or something like mm-hmm. that as well. So he's just you know like he there were your does angels. a little bit of everything, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, I, and I can't remember what, what the third investor does. Yeah, it's I mean, institutional investors, no? Uh, so the, on the second round, the, yeah. so my first round was actually from two small VC firms, which is weird. Mm. And then the second one was from Angels. Okay. So it doesn't have to be like... That's an interesting it's, it. yeah, yeah, it's not set in stone that, you're, you know, that your seed or your pre-seed is Angel and then you have to go to uh, like corporate investors, you know, like when you get above a certain amount, you know, mm. there's a lot of people that have just got too much money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they kind of don't know what to do with it. Um Okay, so, so, yeah. you've, so got, you've got those guys the, behind you, but also now your team, I think it's important as well, because yeah. you've raised this money, you've built this, and for a long part of your story, it was just you, and you've um, done yeah. very well outsourcing 
getting people to work for you, yeah. you know, without actually sort of bulking up the payroll. Now there's two of you. So you, you've sort of run it very lean yeah. as well. Yeah, very like, quite frugal. Yeah, yeah. Um, frugal, yeah. Yeah, it's because um, uh, like a lot of projects just kind of, uh, like, especially when they're engineering led, like they're mm. led by a team of engineers. Yeah, they get stuff working very well, but they've, but they've also got a tendency to go down a rabbit hole. Um, and like, uh, like feature creep and um, like Absolutely. oh let's add this and let's add that and let's do this and it's like no you know you can't do it you've got to like choose very very specific things that you want to do very very few and very specific things that you want to achieve within a certain amount of time like for the $420,000 that we raised the purpose of it is to take the prototypes to the next level so it allows us to do things like buy a couple of industrial 3D printers mm. prototype the hell out of it get it to the point where it's like a polished product that works well enough for now um, with all the new technology that we may need to patent and to file the patents mm. uh, or to file the PCT application. Mm. Um, that's the specific things that we need to do with that, with the money that we've got right now. So I don't need anybody more than an electronics and, and software engineer. That's mm. all I need right now. So I'm not going to spend lots of money and hire an industrial design engineer and a software mm. engineer and an apps guy. Like, it doesn't make sense right now. Yeah. We, like, we don't have enough funding for that. Right. Um, I'd rather have the runway than and work as a very very close and small team mm. aggressively to get the like, to get the product where it needs to be mm. rather than hire too many people and try to get too much done in a short period of time absolutely um then that's what, my philosophy on it anyway. well you know it's certainly a philosophy that people will be happy to hear yeah 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 so what comes next next so basically what we need to do so we've uh, by monday i think we, we should have actually filed the pct application Right. Uh, or no, I'll, I'll I'll be getting the final draft of it and then I approve it and then it's going to be filed on Wednesday or something like that. Mm -hmm. Basically by the end of the month. Um, so we get the results back for that in March and April that kind of gives us more credibility f that our technology can be patented. Right. So that's what that is. Mm -hmm. It's a report that says, yes, you can patent all of this that if, 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 if you want to and you can afford it. Right. Mm. Um, so uh, the next stage for us is basically to uh, raise money so that we can file the patents mm. hire more people so i actually want to hire a ceo right mm. somebody that's way more business minded than me that can just run an operation yeah and i want to kind of stay leading the engineering side of things because uh, that's what i'm you know because that's more what i'm good at um and um to push the all the devices through the medical device certification process plan the manufacturing and set up the first a small production line and get that certified as well because mm. so, the production line has to be certified um so um yeah that's basically what we're raising for next uh, so, so when yeah. when do those conversations start when when do you start in earnest now start devoting um, your time seriously i'll be asking from about april of next year 2019 yeah yeah and um, that's when the conversations really should start uh, and uh, and ideally being realistic we want the money in by the end of the year um, if it happens sooner, great, fine. You know, we just eat into less of a runway. Uh, but, yeah. but, but a runway will last until July 2020. Right. Uh, the way things are going now, that's if we're going to spend, if we're still going to spend an additional $50,000 on R&D, which doesn't look likely because we've already spent a good chunk on it. Mm. Um, uh, even at that, we should be basically on track to last another 20 months from now. Yeah. Right. So that would be so a we've series got time, A? But, yeah. Right. And are you able to talk about check size or roughly? Yeah, we need, uh, so uh, I was pricing it all out in the last week. Basically, we need $2 million. Mm. Uh, that's $1. Sing. $1. Yeah. Sing. Yeah. Yeah. So one and a half was that one point? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, like well, 1.4, 1.5 million US. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, that will be, as you say, for all those things, CEO, certification. Yeah. And just to, to then build out those products. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just to yeah. get it so that it's done and it's finished. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about the CEO because that's it's interesting that you talk about that. And I know yeah. you've worked at Dyson as well. So obviously that's left an imprint on you. And, you know, it's easy to be the inventor CEO, never necess necessarily the best thing because sometimes people who are great engineers aren't necessarily great CEOs and vice versa. So you've made yeah, a conscious Not necessarily, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Sometimes, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Not always. Yeah, um, quite a lot of the time, no. Um, I, I didn't want to start a startup, right? Mm. Uh, I, uh, but it's the only way that I can actually um, design something and get funding, you know, it's all that is to actually have a company. It's like, ugh, I need to have a company now. You know, it's like a, right. you know, it's like just it part wasn't of the, the goal. process. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. Like the goal was not to have a company. The goal was like, I would rather be doing this. Yeah. So I will just do it. You enjoy and, making, designing yeah. the challenge, the mental challenge. You uh -huh. need somebody who actually wants to build a company yeah, and yeah, who yeah. loves that aspect of it. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of startups could do without that ego of trying to be the CEO or yeah. like just wanting to be the CEO of a growing company because if, if that's your goal, then it's going to crash to the ground because yeah. like, you've got to do whatever fits. So what, um, what kind of person does it need to be? What would you? What would it be the qualities that you're looking for in that person? I've not, I've not fully figured that out yet. Yeah. Um, but would it be somebody from the medical world or the engineering somebody, world? Somebody, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so somebody that can navigate the medical world would be yeah. incredible. Um, and there's lot, and well, I mean, there's not lots of people, but there's some severely qualified people out there. Yeah. Um, would they they be very much a front man of the business, like going out and like you know doing the public speaking and going and like you know doing the deals whilst you're sort of in the lab working away? Um, well, I, well, I don't mind. I mean, like, uh, I'm quite happy to. I quite like setting the culture and the reason why the company exists. I, I quite like being in control of that now. Right. So you're um, looking for somebody who's more sort of managerial in that respect, who can sort of like build a business, run a business, look after all those kind of yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. The engineering, which is a core part of the business, is that yeah, culture and the DNA of what you do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, and uh, and it's one thing that I learned from Dyson as well. It's like James Dyson isn't the CEO of Dyson, mm. right? He's the chief engineer, right? Yeah. He's got... Uh, like a C, uh, he's got a CEO, a CTO. He's so, even, what does the CEO it, do in that situation? Um, just look after. So, for example, probably. the last CEO of Dyson's job uh, is a German guy. I can't remember the guy's name. His job, like his main like KPI, was basically get Dyson to explode in China, right? right? Yeah. And uh, he did it. So it's like like get into that market, sell it, pr right. promote it, figure out what we should build and why, and just kind of. And then you can help to specify what the engineering team should do next, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, let, 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 I mean, it depends on the company. I mean, it depends what the goals are. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, the CEO thing is not really for me. Like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it for now. Yeah, you have it's to. my company. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. doing everything as well exactly. as like, yeah, know, making, absolutely making everything. the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm the CFO. I had to. Yeah, I, yeah, I messed up the accounts before the AGM. I didn't realize that you had to um, uh, like reconcile your bank statements with your accounts. I didn't even know that there was a separate thing called accounts. I was like, ah, wait, what? I've got to prepare this for the AGM? Ah, shit. So, uh, so that I had so to sit and manually do everything over a weekend. I'm like, that. oh God, screw this. Like, I really want someone else to do this. Yeah, well, that's good. I think, you know, yeah. the, the key lesson, obviously we're talking about it because, you know, there may be somebody out there who's mm -hmm. watching this you know, maybe a conversation down the road. Yeah. You know, or, or maybe a conversation you have and somebody go, goes back and watches this and said, okay, I want to find out more about Stuart and the team as well mm. and your philosophy. Like, you know, what exactly yeah. do you have expectations for me? And that's why we're putting it out there. But yeah. also, I think it's important 
because you've already identified your strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's really important rather than being, I I can do everything. Well, yeah, I mean, I would rather be the chief engineer of my company and the company succeed because I hired a CEO at the right time rather than me pretending to be the CEO of a company when I'm just the worst at it. Let's say, and I just crashed the company into the ground. Like that, that would that that wouldn't make sense. Mm. Um, it's quite a sensible thing, I think, for me and the company to actually hire a CEO. Mm. But um, uh, I'm st- I would still be the majority shareholder. I would still be effectively in control of the company. Um, mm. uh, you know, I could get rid of the CEO if it isn't working. It's just it's just it's just a job title, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you own the company. It just means that you're hired to Absolutely. run the company. Yeah, you know there's I mean? people like that. There's, yeah. there's plenty of people out there who would be happy and want to be in that position. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. That's... some people that thrive on it. It's like exactly some. Pe- I mean, you need the type of person that can work like you know, like eighty or hundred hours a week. Like the people that are like so hardwired to do that they cannot sit still for two yeah. seconds. Right. Yeah. That's the kind of person that should be a CEO. Because uh, I'm I, I'm not like that. You know, like, you know, like, you know, like, I burn out a wee bit too quick. Sometimes I quite like having the like you know like the engineering projects and like yeah. the you know like a reason for doing something and the uh, like the goals set quite nicely, mm. um, so that I can just run with it and I can like do things in my own time and I mean I still work super hard but it's like the the idea of being a corporate CEO it's like oh mm. no probably not <laughs> yeah it's good it's good that we talked about it because I think it, yeah it, you know people like to hear this yeah and, and I think as well investors often get I mean. It, at the end of the day, CEO or not, it's all about the the main person. Just make of the it business. work. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So, oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. if an investor hears this, it's like, okay, I understand now where what the position is with this guy and this company. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because he's not somebody who's completely wants to do everything, and that that's a warning. Oh, yeah, just like an egotistic founder type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Investors yeah. do not like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they they I may even be able to bring in a CEO or recommend people. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. Exactly. And that's yeah. sometimes. And then what investors, investors don't should. have to have that battle with like you know exactly. the person that's currently the CEO um, or the founder of the company. You know they don't need to have that battle because yeah, yeah like, I get it already. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Stuart Kerr, everybody, C- CEO currently of, and the founder <laughs> of Rock Human Devices. Stuart, it's great to have you in the studio. Yeah, it's um, been awesome. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for coming and sharing yeah. and wishing you all the best and wishing thanks. you, you know, the journey ahead, the yeah. real challenge. This is, this is the big challenge for you. I know. You know, the next few months. Like now you're sort of head down, get uh-huh. this built, then some bigger yeah. challenges as well. But, you know, it's all a learning curve for you. Let's, let's put yeah. a shout out as well to your website so people can know. What's the best way? How, how do you like people to contact you? Through the website, LinkedIn? Or uh, what are you good with? So if you want to sign up for the user trials, you can actually go onto the website now. The website, okay. there's a couple of words missing. There's a couple of spelling mistakes. I need to I need to fix it. We've just like we've just moved over to Squarespace. The chief <laughs> website designer yeah, right. stroke CEO. <laughs> this company is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... Uh, yeah, so go onto the website. Um, my email address is Stuart at RockHumanDevices.com. S-T-U-A-R-T at RockHumanDevices.com. So just reach out to me if you want to want to know more. I can let you know as much as I'm physically allowed to tell you. Yeah, I'll have that conversation as well. I mean, I know you're not raising right now, but it's coming. You know, people who are interested, partners, people who come from that. I mean, you know, somebody might not come across and say, hey, I'm a CEO, but they may say, hey, look, I know this industry really well. Love what you're doing. I don't know the fit right now, but let's have a conversation or a coffee yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to me for anything at all, you know, that like they've got hearing loss or, you know, like just like what you said, mm. um, yeah. We'll put all yeah. the details in the show notes. Yeah. Stuart, thank Sounds you so good. much. No problem. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. 
Find out more at ATP.show.